0: Hey, good morning. Welcome to Cold Springs Church. My name is Daniel Frank, and I am the student ministries pastor here, and I am excited that you decided to join us. Um, so we're continuing within our series of Can I Trust the Bible, and Why Would I? So as we start that, the series, and, and, or continue the series this morning, I want to ask the question, have you ever walked with someone, and it doesn't matter where you are going because you're with them? This, this is a question that I will answer absolutely yes to. Um, so me and my wife Hannah have been married for two years and some change, um, but we've been in a relationship for five years, and within that five years, a reality of connecting with, with her side of the family for me has been going on hikes. We probably do two to three hikes a year at the minimum, I would say. And so there's lots of hikes that we've done, and especially me thinking back to the first hike that I ever did with the Morgan family is that the answer to this question would be yes, because it didn't matter what we are doing. It didn't matter where we were going. It just mattered who I was with. And so that's a yes that I, that I continue to say, and we can throw up the picture just to give visual image of some of the different hikes and, and what we're looking at here, but I just love this idea of the hike, and, and there's a lot of things that I learned right away, and the first one is, as I started to hike these last five years, because my family didn't do a a ton of hiking necessarily, there's other activities, but one of the things that I learned is that I'm not necessarily a hiker, (laughs) okay? (laughs) The hiking is great, and so the answer to the question is yes, because it matters who I'm with, but I'm not necessarily a hiker because when I'm hiking, all I'm thinking about is, oh man, I could mountain bike that. Ooh, I could rip it down that section right there. Like that's all I'm thinking about. So if anything, a hike is just a means to the end of me going back the next day and mountain biking. And so I'm, I'm not necessarily a hiker. <laughs> and but what I've learned throughout my experience in, in hiking and mountain biking and longboarding is that you get to this location, this beautiful location to do an activity. And a lot of times, I see people just at the location. They're at the trailhead, and they're eating food, and that's what they came for. They didn't come to hike. They didn't come to mountain bike. They didn't come to longboard. They just came to be at the location to eat food and not partake in the hike. And now, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But I think that sometimes we can do this in our, in our spiritual lives, is that we get to the location of salvation. We get to the location, we say, okay, Jesus, I, I, I believe in who you are. I trust that, that you were real, <laughs> that you came to this earth. You, you died for our sins. You died for the things that make me broken, that make me dirty, that make me sinful, that you died for that, and I have now access to a relationship with you right now and in heaven. So we get to the location of salvation and we're, we can be content just staying there. And that we don't actually do the hike with Jesus. That we don't actually go to the hike. We just sit at the trailhead and we're watching other people hike or not hike. <laughs> and so I want to propose to us today that if Jesus is real, a relationship with him is a big deal. I would even take the step further to say that it's the biggest deal of our lives. It's the most important thing that we can be doing right now. So with that, a relationship with Jesus, it looks like reading our Bibles. Your Bible is is a resource to develop a relationship with God. And so is prayer and being in community with other Jesus followers. So green chat, good job. But reading our Bibles is, is a resource to developing relationship with Jesus. It's, it's the hike. And the disciples actually did the hike with Jesus, literally <laughs> and figuratively. But they, they did the hike with Jesus. They, weren't, they were invited to do so, and they weren't content just being at the location. They actually did the hike with Jesus. They actually walked with him. They actually walked this earth with God. And I, I, have to, I have to give you, I have to admit something as well to you, is that, again, like I told you before, I'm not a good hiker. Here's one of the reasons. My wife, when she, when she hikes, and, and her family, so, you know, it gets passed down. When, when the Morgans hike, they are people on a mission, Hannah is a, is a woman on a mission when we are hiking. I mean, she is, she is going, okay? So there's no breathers, there's no breaks, there's no nothing. And, and you know, maybe that was a bad representation. She has a shorter stride, so it's something kind of like this, right? There's a few more steps. And, and I'm, I'm built to be able to keep up because I have a longer stride, right? But, but nonetheless, they are people on a mission. And so I like mountain biking better because I've got a helmet on. I'm a little bit separated. Someone's ahead of me. Right, I'm behind them so I can be doing the mountain bike. Like I can be like breathing in deep, man, while I'm biking and no one hears me. They don't know because I'm in my own world mountain biking. But then when it's hiking and I gotta try and keep up with her, because like she can't beat me up the mountain, right? Then I gotta as I'm doing this hike. But the problem with that, the problem with the hike with my wife is that I don't wanna admit that I need a breather. Right? Like, I don't want to admit that I need a breather. And again, I think we do this in our spiritual lives. Let's take off the, the, this Christian mask for a moment. We don't want to admit that we need a breather. Right? We don't want to admit that I don't, I don't, I'm not perfect at this relationship with Jesus. I'm not even great at it. Hopefully I'm good. <laughs> We don't want to admit that we need breathers. One of the breathers that I think sometimes I don't want to admit and that we don't want to admit is that we have questions. That there are questions to wrestle with about the reality of God and the reality of the Bible, and we can feel insecure about actually asking those. But I want to take a breather today. I want to admit that we need it, And I want to take it today. And one of those questions, one of those breathers to take, is can we trust the gospel accounts? Can we trust the gospels? Can we trust that it's a first, second-hand witness? Who gave these guys authorities there? There are just questions that can be rattled in that the culture is telling the conclusion or asking the question. And that I think sometimes we don't want to admit that we need the breather. So let's ask it. Can we trust the gospel account? The first thing that I want to bring up is this idea of the Jesus of history versus the Jesus of faith. The Jesus of history is that Jesus was a real man that walked this earth. And that he had a ministry with some disciples. That he died on a cross. And people said he resurrected from the dead. That is the Jesus of history, because those are the historical facts. So someone doesn't believe in the Jesus of history at all, I don't know what's, walk away from them. <laughs> like, like, it is a historical fact, as Steve talked a lot about last week. So then there's the Jesus of faith, which is why this church is here, which is why we are here. The Jesus of faith says, yes, we agree with the idea of Jesus of history, but Jesus is God. And the event on the cross is why we are here today. The death and and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that that gives us access to a relationship with God that we would not have without that. So this is the Jesus of faith, to believe that Jesus is God, now, the next questions or, or ideas that, that may be talked about is, is, when were the Gospels written? Wasn't it way after those supposed writers had died? So let's talk about when they were written. So when did the Gospel writers write the Gospels? Mark wrote, uh, theologians, historians will tell us that Mark wrote in the 60s. Not the bell-bottom 60s, the A.D. 60s. Keep up with me, okay? So then Matthew and Luke wrote in the 70s and the 80s. Not the disco 70s and 80s, but the A.D. 70s and 80s, okay? Again, keep up with me here. And then John is told that he wrote within the 90s. And so you look at the ages and you have to toss with, with what this looked like. Some, some helpful information here is that an average lifespan of a man or or human being within this time is uh, 45 years, okay? And that there are many uh, accounts of people living up to 100, but that it wasn't the average. So that's kind of the range that we're working with of life within people of this time. Um, and so whenever you see a TV show or a movie where the disciples are depicted as, as older men with gray hair, that just... It doesn't really match up here because, again, if Jesus is with historians and theologians are going to tell us that that Jesus' ministry happened within 80, 30, and 33, that that's kind of the time frame that we're working with. So if in 80, 30, Mark was 20, then by the time he's writing within the 60s, he's going to be in his 50s, right? So it's going to be in that, in that time frame. Um, and then for Matthew and Luke, they're going to be a little bit older in their 60s or 70s. So, again, within that range, but a little bit above the average. And then John is the one that goes further out. So this is why theologians and historians are going to tell us that John was most likely a teenager, definitely a teenager. So in that, you can imagine 13-14 range in AD 30, then by AD 90, he's going to be in his 70s, 80s, somewhere around there. So again, well above the average, itching up on doubling the average, but within the acceptable range. That, that was seen of this time. So this is when the Gospels were and, and how they were written. So again, but what I really want to highlight about this time of the Gospels being written is that the Gospel writers were positioned in a time to write faithfully about the life of Jesus for two reasons. The first one is, is that what they wrote could be peer-reviewed. Everyone that was a first, second, or third-hand witness to the life of Jesus was still alive. And they could look at what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote and say, whoa, 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 that's off. So I'm doing some college courses right now. And I feel like I'm, every week I'm looking for at least two peer-reviewed sources. And it's so valuable because people are checking it. They're looking at it. They're verifying it. And that it wouldn't be finalized until that process has happened. And so this was a time that the Gospels could be peer-reviewed by other people that were there or heard directly from someone who was there. So then the other reason that, that the gospel writers were positioned in a time to write faithfully about the life of Jesus is that they were, the gospel writers, were first- or second-hand witnesses to the life of Jesus. So they were the people that would peer-review the others <laughs> because they witnessed the life of Jesus or they heard from someone directly that witnessed the life of Jesus. So then the next question or the next breather to take here is why were the Gospels written later than the events that they recorded? The first backdrop that I want to put on is this idea of ancient documents and recording of history. And the reality is is that for most ancient documents, hundreds of years go by before those events are recorded. For example, Alexander the Great died in 323 BC, and Plutarch recorded his events in the first or second century. So 400 to 500 years go by before those events are recorded. That is not the case for the Gospels. Only a few decades went by. Like, do you guys understand this? A few decades is incredible. For an ancient document, a first or second hand witness account of the life of Jesus, only a few decades to go by before we see this ancient documents popping up. This is incredible. You can tell I'm excited because it's incredible. Only a few decades is astounding when it comes to ancient documents. And then the the second point to why it was written so later on is is this idea of oral tradition. Is that of the people of this time, oral tradition carried along a lot of of historical events and the lives of people. So this is why Plutarch doesn't actually write things down until four to five hundred years later after Alexander the Great dies. And so... Oral tradition is carrying on the life of the Jesus. And the early church fathers were a part of this oral tradition. The early church fathers are are named in Acts. These are the people starting the early church after Jesus' life. Some of them are named in Acts. Some of them are, are not named in the Bible. But we see historical documents popping up from these early churches. And so the early church fathers were a lot of the peer reviewers, were a lot of the people that were a part of the life of Jesus in some capacity. First, second, third hand witness. And so the early church fathers uh, give a lot of authority to the Gospels. Because, again, they were there. These were the peer reviewers. So then the next question is, who gave the Gospel writers authority? Let's look at Mark. Here's a quote from Papias, which was a disciple of John, the disciple. <laughs> Here's what he says. And the preceptor, this is John, used to say this. Mark became Peter's interpreter, writing all that Peter had said about the Lord. Not in order, of course, because he had never heard the Lord nor followed him, but later on followed Peter. So Mark, the writer of the Gospel of Mark, is a second-hand witness in that he talks and does life with Peter, and he writes that down. And what I think is significant about Mark being named the writer or being named the writer of the gospel is that this shows the commitment to authenticity, credibility, and accuracy that the early church fathers had. And that they're saying, yes, the book of Mark is derived from Peter's experience, but it's not the book of Peter because Peter didn't write it. It's the book of Mark. There was a commitment to accuracy here, which I think is incredible. And we know that Peter and Mark had a close relationship. We see this in 1 Peter 5, 13. Here's what it says. It says, she who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings. And so does Mark, my son. So if you're calling someone your son, can we agree that it's a safe assumption that there's a close relationship there, Right? Great, so now let's look at Matthew. Again, all of the early church fathers agree that Matthew wrote the book of Matthew. So these are people that, that would have seen Matthew with Jesus, and, and we know that Matthew was a disciple of Jesus. So there's authenticity, there's authority to write the book of Matthew because he was there. He's a firsthand witness, and then for John, Papias pops up here again and he says over and over, he states that John wrote the gospel of John. And again, John being a disciple of Jesus, that gives him the authority to write. He's a first-hand witness. Luke being a, a secondhand witness, he gets his authority because he draws and makes a lot of references to Mark. He makes a lot of references to the book of Mark and we know that Luke wrote the book of Acts. And he really positions his gospel with the bookends of Mark and Acts. So if we can have faith in Acts, and we can have faith in Acts, and we can have faith in Mark, then we can have faith in Luke because he's really tying his gospel to those two. Um, so then we we continue, and here's the next breather to take. If we can say we trust the gospel accounts then what do they say about Jesus? If we can say as a people here that we can trust the gospel accounts, we can trust what they say, then let's pay attention to what they're saying about Jesus. So directly, they say that Jesus is God. So here's, here's I'll have you open up your Bibles to John 8, 57 through 59. We're also gonna have it up on the screen. And just to take a breather here, just for me to pull off the mask a little bit, I have to admit that I messed up last service. Last service in providing the background for the scripture, I stated that that Abraham was talking to God and that God told him to represent God as I am. And it was Moses that represented God as I am to the people. So I want to pull off the mask to say, we are here to worship a perfect God, not a perfect speaker. <laughs> so again, to continue to admit that I need breathers and we need breathers, let's continue on to give you some of the background in that the Pharisees are ensnaring or, or seeking to trap Jesus once again. This seems to be a repeated theme in this, this uh, in the Gospels. And they look to trap him and Jesus is... Is claiming. I'll let him do the talking here. So again, as we look at this verse, I want you to pay attention to the red letters, as always, but then to focus on that last statement of I am, because that is a claim of being God. Because again, God told Moses to represent, to say, I am sent you. So let's read it. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Directly, the gospels say that Jesus is God. So, if Jesus is real a relationship with him is a big deal because he's God. He is a God that died for you and I, for our dirtiness, our brokenness, our sinfulness, our actions. And a relationship with him is the biggest deal for us today and our lives right now indirectly, the Gospels say that no matter who you are, Jesus wants a relationship with you. Let's take that breather. Let's admit that we need that breather. No matter who you are, Jesus wants a relationship with you. And I think it says that through the people that were writing the Gospels. So again, you can imagine that that this Jesus movement, this this, this sweeping ideology and this sweeping guy that w- that was going from town to town city to city that you would look at that as a person you say wow jesus name gains a lot of reputation it gains a lot of popularity it gains a lot of clout like i need to have some of that i want some of that that there's a selfish human desire and so if you were to write a gospel and just attribute it to a name to get that reputation or popularity you would not attribute it to these names. These are not the names that you would use. So let's walk through that. So for Mark, Mark abandoned Barnabas and Paul on their first missionary trip. This you can find in Acts 13, 13. And then he splits up friendships. You can find that in Acts 15, 38 through 40. Then Matthew, tax collector, okay? He took money From his people to support the occupation of Rome. That is not the name you would use to get reputation, popularity, or clout. And then we look at Luke. It says that he never saw Jesus in person. You can find that in Luke 1, 1 through 4. And he was probably a Gentile. And I cannot stress enough that in these times, the separation between Jew and Gentile was a wide, wide separation. It was a wide cliff, mountains apart from each other. And so Jesus really turned everything upside down as he creates a new people as Jesus followers that is made up of Jew and Gentile. So the idea that Luke was probably a Gentile, that would not be the name that you attribute the gospel to. Throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament, throughout the story of Jesus that we call the Bible, we see over and over again, that there are broken, dirty, sinful people that God just wants a relationship with. And so let's list a few more of those, in that, and I'm not going to talk about the Old Testament at all. We'd be here all day, okay? I'm going to mention some people from the New Testament here, and, and I, I have to admit that, that us, me, and the staff team were at the Thrive Conference these last couple days. And the speaker at the end was Mark Clark, and he wraps up his sermon by listing off people that, that Jesus and God were, were involved with and wanted a relationship with, even though they had failings. And so I think highlighting some of the New Testament people here is going to be impactful. So again, Mary Magdalene worried about everything. James and John had a short temper. Peter denied Jesus, and Lazarus was dead. Okay, Jesus wants a relationship with you right now. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus wants a relationship with you right now, and it never has been spoken more clearly to me than when we look at the people that Jesus interacted with. When we look at the people that were given authority to write the Gospels. So indirectly, the Gospels say that Jesus wants a relationship with you, no matter where you are at. So if Jesus is real, a relationship with him is a big deal. The biggest deal for us right now. So if we can trust the Gospels, then we need to be in the Word, walking with Jesus as he walks with us. And God has walked with us as humans from the start. Where do we see that? We see that in Genesis 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God was walking with us as humans from the start. And you may be looking at this verse and you go, walking? What do you mean? God was hovering Over the face of the waters. A lot of us sitting here today may think that you have to go back to the future to find hoverboards. You got to go back to the past. Okay? So Jesus was walking with creation from the start. God walks in creation with Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3, we, we see the fall where the brokenness, the dirtiness, the sinfulness starts for humanity. We see that Adam and Eve, right after they had sinned, that they sow fig leaves together to cover themselves. And then it says that God was walking in the garden, calling to them. God has been walking with creation from the start. And God walks, walked with his disciples. He walked with the guys, two of the guys that wrote the Gospels, and he walks with the twelve. And he walked the hill up to where he was going to die on the cross. God has been walking with humanity from the start in the middle and with us right now. And I see that God walks with us. He invites you and I to walk with him today. Where we see that, and this is just a verse that is always just going to strike my heartstrings. It's just always hitting me to my core. This is John 15, 9. It says, as the Father has loved me, this is Jesus speaking, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. You can replace that word abide with remain. Jesus is inviting us to walk with him, to do the hike with him, don't be content sitting at the trailhead. So again, because Jesus is real, not if, because Jesus is real, relationship with him is a big deal. It's the biggest deal. So In sake of that, of of being in the Word and walking with Jesus as he has walked with us, I want to invite you to do a Bible reading plan with me this week. So there's going to be a slide up here, and there's a QR code. So go ahead and pull out your cell phones, and you can scan the QR code. Now, any of the youth in this room that go to youth group are like, oh my gosh, the, the one rule of youth group is that we aren't using our cell phones. So I'm telling you to break that, okay? So... So scan the QR code. This is going to send you to the Bible reading app. And if it doesn't work or you're not comfortable with using the QR code, then you can also text me. Uh, My phone number is right up there. You can text me, and I will send you a link to invite you to this Bible reading plan. I am not inviting you into a 365 uh, Bible read-through plan. I'm inviting you into a four-day Bible reading plan for this week. Let's read the Bible together. Let's be a people that are doing the hike this week and that are talking about it and that are doing it together. This is part of doing the hike. This is part of the relationship is reading our Bibles. So if you're already in a Bible reading plan, that is okay. (laughs) Text me what's been impactful about it. Let's continue to talk about it. So again, my phone number is up there. I want to invite you into that. Don't be content just being at the location. Seek to do the hike with Jesus each and every day. That relationship with Jesus, this hike with Jesus, is a big deal since Jesus is truly real. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we have together. Thank you for this place that we can even gather together. Lord, I pray, I just pray that, man, that you would just be with us as I know you are. Lord, I pray that you would light up a pathway for us see and hear you a little bit more clearly this week. Amen.